0: You're listening to MLB.com Extras brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere.
1: The winter meetings have begun just outside of Washington, D.C. And we're going to take a look to see what some of these teams need to be doing, including the Arizona Diamondbacks. I'm Allison Footer, and I'm here with Steve Gilbert. Steve, um, Needless to say, the Arizona Diamondbacks have a little bit of work to do if they want to get back to being a contender in their division. Thanksgiving Eve, I guess, was a very interesting night for you, uh, a big trade. Let's just go over that and, and see how that kind of set the foundation for moving forward.
0: Sure. Yeah, You're talking about the five-player deal with the Mariners, where they got Taiwan Walker, Cattell Marte, um, in exchange for Gene Segura, Mitch Hanager, uh, and Zach Curtis. Uh, it was came as a little bit of a surprise just timing-wise, I think, for everybody. Um, Gene Segura as a player had a great year for them last year, but I think they felt like maybe they were selling high on Gene and that maybe he had kind of reached his peak. He was also set to make a little bit more money. Um, and Taiwan Walker fits kind of what they're looking for, and that. Is they're, they're trying to get some more young, controllable pitching with a high upside, they really feel like he's a guy that can now reach his potential. Um, and they're excited about that, and, and they got an infielder in Marte that that's uh, you know can play second, can play short. He's even played a little outfield. It gives them again more athleticism and, and versatility.
1: So Taiwan Walker. I- Like you say, he has a huge upside, um, and the the Mariners were really so high on him for so long. But it's a matter of, I guess, staying healthy. And when you can acquire a quality young starting pitcher like that, there's a reason why you're able to acquire him also, because there are question marks. So that's what they're – he seems to be pretty confident that he's going to go into next season healthy.
0: Yeah, you know, he had 10 bone spurs, he said, in his foot removed uh, right after the season. Apparently, there was – he had an extra bone, he said, in his foot, and it had – broken, and so there were all these little bits floating around, and one of them particularly was rubbing up against his Achilles, which I guess made it difficult for him to push off the mound. So he feels like he's healthy and can take that next step, you know, and I think that's what the Diamondbacks are kind of kind of banking on, and that's sometimes the way you're able to get a guy with that kind of potential is if he's coming off, you know, maybe what what isn't what some people are expected of him.
1: I know that Diamondbacks fans just want a, a winner, so it's not like they're going to Um, you know, kind of lose their minds, I guess, (laughs) over trades. But Gene Sakura being a popular player, there is no such thing as a good trade where one side of the fan base is not uh, upset. I mean, if if, if both sides feel like, ooh, that kind of hurt a little bit, it usually is a trade that makes sense. But what were what were you hearing from Diamondbacks fans after this particular deal?
0: Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, Gene Skur had over 200 hits last year, so he was one of the the bright spots in an otherwise kind of disappointing year for them. So I think that there was some fan reaction like, oh, we got rid of our you know best hitter or whatever, or one of our best hitters. But I think for them, they felt like they only had you know two more years left to control. It was getting more expensive. They were going to bet on the upside here of Walker and uh, save a little money also in the process, plus get an infielder that they, that they liked. I think the wild card in the whole deal for me is Mitch Haniger. If he can take that next step, he's a little maybe older than some. some Prospects, you know people always uh, look at ages, but he you know He adjusted his mechanics at the plate and had a really big year for triple-a and he's an outstanding uh, Defender in center field so he could be somebody that if he turns into something um, It's it it really is a a good thing for the Mariners we will have to see but I think the Diamondbacks were were, Took a shot at at a guy that they feel has a great arm.
1: Yeah, it's an it's interesting to talk about if nothing else so now let's look at some of the other areas where the Diamondbacks need to kind of shore up the the roster and that would be the bullpen Um, who doesn't need bullpen help right but the but the Diamondbacks really need to look closely at that
0: yeah they do they um, particularly bullpen struggled last year they lost uh, two veteran back-end guys when they traded Brad Ziegler and Tyler Clipper before the deadline and they also Daniel Hudson's a free agent who I know he had a, a really bad like month and a half stretch But before that and after that he pitched really well um, So they lost him as well from the pen. So they really don't have a lot of experience down there They've got some young arms that they like but that's definitely a, a spot where they need to add and I think that's one of the reasons why they they non-tendered the say a Wellington Castillo Because that way they can save some money and maybe invest that um, some of that savings in the bullpen but the bullpen market as you mentioned everyone's looking for bullpen help right now and it it, it could be a situation where that doesn't shake out until chapman signs until kenley jansen signs uh, and you know those guys come off the board then maybe we see um because the dimebacks aren't going to be bidding for those guys so they're looking for that next year or whatever either via free agency or trade And I don't think those guys are going to settle out until the the, the top guys go.
1: It's it's an interesting phenomenon because the postseason tends to skew the thinking a little bit. You cannot get through a regular season with only a good bullpen. You have to have a strong rotation. In the postseason, you actually really need to rely more on your bullpen, and as we saw with the Cleveland Indians, starting pitching was something that was, uh, you know, a nice little luxury to have, but not really that necessary. I'm being a little facetious (laughs) there. Um, But really, the the price for a lot of these relievers is escalating big time. Not just for, I think that once we see the elite closers go, I think we're gonna see a lot of money go elsewhere too, and that's kind of been a trend. do you think that's a good thing for baseball to, to sort of be moving in that direction?
0: You know, I think whether it is or not, it seems to be the direction it's moving. And I think that the good teams are going to be ahead of that trend. And, and maybe the Diamondbacks, if they can't find bullpen help, maybe they turn one of the young starters into a, a multi-inning reliever. No one can do what Andrew Miller did during the playoffs over 162 games. Right. But you can find guys that can get a couple of innings here every few, you know, every, twice a week, three times a week, whatever it might be. Um, a guy like Braden Shipley maybe he's a guy that, that, that they could move to the bullpen um, some of their other younger pitchers that, that have some upside maybe they, maybe they experiment with them in the bullpen I think you can, you can find bullpen arms it's, it's amazing sometimes where guys come from um, sometimes you have closers that are well known a Chapman, a Jensen but others come from opportunity opportunity opens itself up and they take advantage of it so I, I, it would be interesting to see how that shakes out for them
1: so now let's talk about some guys that might be able to be traded one that we're going to talk about that he's actually not going to be traded but zach Greinke. <laughs> so his name is going to come up uh, just because um you know obviously where the diamondbacks are and the money that he's making and he kind of had a little bit of a down year i'm actually giving all the reasons why he's not going to be traded um, but it's one of those things where if they wanted to absorb a lot of the contract I mean, this contract was just signed uh, it's amazing a year ago we were like oh my god the Diamondbacks they're all they're relevant they're going to be competitive and then from opening day on it really just didn't work out for them but um, where do you see it going with him you
0: know I think they'll listen um, I think all the reasons you just laid out he didn't have a great year last year it's got a big contract um, you know I think teams are still kind of figuring out what the CBA means for them in terms of having a guy on the roster that makes 31 million dollars a year which is what he makes so He's got a limited no-trade clause. I mean, there's all kinds of different things that, that factor into that. Now, maybe if he, he comes back and has a big first half of the season and they're not in contention and they're looking around the trade deadline and some teams are desperate for, for pitching help, maybe then you see something. But uh, at least it's fun to talk about now during the winter meetings. This is the time for that, Allison. Quit quit taking away the fun that we're having here. <laughs> Zach Greinke, you could get traded. Come on, let's start something up. It, it, certainly, um, it, it is weird a year later to be talking about all of a sudden well, maybe they can't afford this contract. Maybe they should get rid of him. They're not contenders. When last year we were talking about how this contract would be manageable, this made them contenders, and so it's uh, it, things change pretty quick.
1: I really liked the rotation, as you know. I mean, through our conversations over the past year, I've always liked the Diamondbacks rotation. I felt like there was, at some point, it was really going to sort of come together. It really hasn't happened. I mean, how do you look at it right now? I mean, do you think that they need to be concentrating on the rotation as well?
0: Well, you know, I felt the same way. I mean, going into the season last year, I thought, wow, they got a decent rotation, and they, they pitched well during spring training, and it just seemed like everything was going well right up until A.J. Pollock fractured his elbow, and then it was like everything went bad for them. Patrick Corbin, I still like Patrick Corbin. I still like Archie Bradley. I still Robbie Ray is another guy who just can't quite seem to get over that hump, but he's a left-hander that throws in the mid-'90s, and it's so tempting when you watch him to think that if he – Secondary pitches get just a little bit better. He could be dominant, and you never know when it's going to click for a guy. So it's such a hard thing to to know. And I guess that's why general managers get paid the big bucks now. But to to try to decide on on guys like that, because I do think their rotation has a lot of Taiwan Walker. I mean, that does have a lot of potential there. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out. I think they gave themselves some depth with the Walker move. Um, and that's always a good thing to have—is to have choices. Patrick Corbin is another guy, by the way, who, who could slide into the bullpen and be a left-hander that can pitch multiple innings. He pitched really well out of the bullpen for them last year. Obviously, he'd prefer to start, and they'd like to see him be a starter. But he's a—you know—when you have depth like that, you can you can move guys around. So. I, I still think their rotation is not as bad as they pitched last year, but until they pitch better, I guess they are as bad as they were last year.
1: And how about the outfield alignment, the defense? Should be better with a couple of guys returning. Is that something that they need to concentrate on, or are they just more counting on the guys that they were, they thought they were going to be able to count on last year?
0: Yeah, I think that's definitely an area that has to get better. I think it's, it gets overlooked as to how bad the pitching was is that A lot of balls dropped in the outfield last year that didn't the year before. They had one of the best defensive outfielder outfields in 2015. They had the worst in 2016. I mean, Yasmani Tomas has worked hard at at his defense. He's he's gotten in better shape. He just is not a really good defender in the outfield. And when you put him out there, and you're asking people who have never played the outfield before, Brandon Drury, never played the outfield in his life, and you're going to stick him out, I think he had two games in spring training, or the last week of spring training before the regular season. It's really not a fair position to put a guy into, even though he did a, he he caught the balls he got to, he did a nice, but it wasn't the same as having a, a true outfielder out there. So, I think having Pollock back, having Peralta back, certainly helps. If they were able to move Yasmani Tomas and get a, a, a guy with a little better defender out there, that would even be better for that outfield. But they had to play so deep, there were so many balls falling in front of them. That was, uh, that, was that was a tough thing last year. I think that it got overlooked, uh, frankly, as far as the pitching staff went, with all the balls that fell out there.
1: The, the whole Tomas experiment we watched from beginning to now, was there an athleticism, a special, like, you have to have a special athleticism to be able to make a position change. It's not like just anybody can do that. Did they see that? Because I sort of see him as a guy who is a little bit bigger, maybe not as agile, maybe that would have a harder time with that. What did they see in him that they thought that he could make that change?
0: You know, I guess they saw the athleticism, and he is a good athlete. He just doesn't have, like, the range. And and. He just wasn't good at third base. They thought, you know, when they initially signed him, they talked about him being a third baseman. And you watched him in spring training and you just knew right away that that was just not going to happen. And again, he worked really hard on it. He's a great kid. There's, you know, there's no attitude issues with him and there's no not working. His body type is what it is. Um, He'd be great as a DH for an American League team. I mean, he, he, his hitting really took a step forward last year power-wise, um, and so I think he'd just be a better fit there in the American League. He is a good athlete. Um, it just hasn't translated, and they play in some big outfields. You know, the AT&T Park in San Francisco is big. Coors Field is big. Chase Field is big. There's a lot of big parks in the NL West that, and, and Petco Park, and, and so it exposes you if, you if you don't cover a lot of ground, which he just doesn't.
1: Okay, so let's set the payroll. Let's tell the Diamondbacks what they're going to be spending this off-season. Uh, what is it? Around hundred million? About
0: around hundred million, which is what they were at last year. So you know, it's it's how teams really figure payroll is hard to know with, with prorated bonuses and forty-man. So estimated, maybe they have fifteen million to spend right now. I don't, you know, I don't know that for sure. Um, they've never been afraid of spending in Arizona it's never been a situation where they've been cheap that's true um, so for their market size they've always you know when when wh- whoever the GM has been has gone to Ken Kendrick and said hey we think this guy puts us over the top and it was Adam LaRoche in 2009 or 10 and they okay we'll expand the payroll it was you know whoever has been Zach Grenke, they've always stretched a little bit so If the right guy were to come along this year, maybe they do stretch, but I think last year hurt them a little bit uh, revenue-wise in terms of attendance, certainly with the team struggling, especially playing bad at home, which was kind of inexplicable just how bad they were at home as opposed to the road. So um, that's my figure. I'm saying that they're going to spend 100 million, right around $100 million this year.
1: Okay. Well, I'm going to mark it down in red. (laughs) Thank you very much, Steve.
0: My pleasure, Allison.